Prithee, listen, and listen well, for here we have a tale to tell. Be ye beast, or elf, or cur, here's what happened last on Modular. Bradley and Inverna fought Talos cultists head-on at the Wayside Inn. Among them were people Bradley knew and liked, including Bax the barkeep. In thwarting the cultist's plans, he managed to save a number of hostages, including his brother Sly and the gorgeous yet standoffish Marticia, owner of the Wayside Inn. Tarbin Toole, the bard met previously at the inn, has been kidnapped, though, and is likely in danger. Now Bradley and Inverna have found a map, and paired with the glasses that they found while saving Leilan, it would seem an important locale to Talos has been revealed. Watching Vox Machina. No, I've still, still, uh, still on the first episode. You got to get to episode three. Yeah, it's when shit takes off. And episode three through twelve are all just same story. It's pretty good. And they leave you on a real cliffhanger. They're definitely gonna have a season two, but we already knew that. But we already knew that. I will say, I hate when companies plan out having multiple seasons or like sequels to movies when the first one isn't even out yet and we don't know how audiences will react to it because what if it's a huge flop and then they've already signed that contract saying hey we're gonna put in you know countless millions more dollars into this product that we know is gonna fail yeah now that's true just doesn't seem like a you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying, but here's the thing. Legends of Vox Machina is doing incredibly well. So it's like... Is it? Yeah, it's got like amazing scores on all the critic sites, and it's like the number one most... It's like... It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. The, the fights... I mean, so far, so far Amazon hasn't disappointed me with any of its original shows yet. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes I'll watch like some of the dialogue and some of the plot. Well, some of the plot, I'm like, this was not written by writers. This was written by a D and D campaign. And so sometimes I'm like, that's kind of stupid. Yeah. And like, there's a <laughs> there's this whole sequence where they're breaking a guy out of jail, and their whole mission is to break this guy out of jail. And then once they break him out of jail, there's all these guards swarm them, and the guy they're breaking out of jail is like. He's like, I've got an idea. I'm going to distract them while you get away. And it's like, but we're, we're here for you, though. <laughs> like, Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And then after he says that, that plan just, like, fizzles. Like, it, you watch the episode, and, like, it, that's not even how it goes down. And they they just get away. They all get away. And it's like, what? But on the opposite end, the fights are fucking dope. They got some good fights. 
Hell yeah. Do you love a good animated fight? I do. I love a good animated fight. Hello. And welcome. My name is Thorin George. My name is Luke Job. And this is Modular. The podcast where we take you through the modules written by Wizards of the Coast for the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons. That's right. Luke, these are the pre-written stories made by the folks who made up Dungeons and Dragons. We didn't write them, but we're here to run them for you. And why would we do that? Well, Luke, maybe you're a DM who's thinking about running a particular campaign and you want to get a loose feel for how it plays out. Maybe you're a player who's already been in this particular campaign and you want to reminisce on the good old days. Maybe you are at a funeral, but you really didn't like this person, but you came because you wanted to be on good terms with everybody else who came, and you have a hidden earpiece, and in this earpiece, this episode is playing. Damn. That's commitment. We appreciate that. But you should be warned. Each of our episodes will take on a part of these pre-written adventures. That means there are major spoilers for the key plot points of each story we are running. And right now we're running Stormlord's Wrath, not to be confused with Storm King's Thunder. So if you don't want spoilers for that module, you should just leave now. And there's another warning we should offer them. That's right, Thorin. Modular is not a podcast for children. It contains explicit language, as well as adult themes like sex, alcohol, drug use, violence, and spoliation of evidence. So please be aware of these not-so-kid-friendly themes. <laughs> what was that last one? Spoliation of evidence, where you destroy evidence. Okay, cool. What a, what a neat technical term. Yeah, I, I've learned a lot in law school. Now, without further ado, welcome to Modular. And our session 13, an unlucky number of Stormlord's Wrath. Okay, so here's the cr- here's the crazy thing. I've got this poison. Poison for Cusco. Cusco's poison. No, just kidding. Um You match you matched uh, Patrick Warburton's cadence pretty well there. Thank you. Yeah, I love those TikTok sounds when they use when they use that shit. It's, yeah, I can't get as deep as Patrick Warburton. I mean, that's he's got a very deep voice, very deep voice. But yeah, the cadence, if you can get the cadence right, that's so much of impressions too. He's like, you don't yeah. have to sound oh, sure. exactly like them, but if you speak like them. Like, yeah. I was I was listening to this guy about, like, Trump impressions, and he was like, he was like, because Stephen Colbert does a Trump impression a yeah. lot. He, he used to a lot during his presidency. And it was good, for sure, but it was kind of missing something. And the guy said he was like, he always makes Trump's mouth so small. It's the smallest mouth you've ever seen. But when he says words with A, A's I know exactly what you're talking big. about. Yeah. 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 
that guy is one of the creators of Smiling Friends. Oh hell yeah, nice. Yeah, and he and he was like, he gets sleepy. He gets sleepy at the end of his sentences. He just yeah. because he, he's very passionate about Jaina, but then he kind of gets just sleepy at the end of his sentence. And now it's time for Trump's little nappy. Trump's gonna take a little nappy now. Trump nappy. <laughs> there's a there's a guy that does Joe Biden, and it's so impressive because Joe Biden doesn't have really an accent. So you just have to get like, kind of just, <laughs> if I can't do it at all, but he just crushes it. And I'm like, <clears throat> it's, it's impressive. It's definitely impressive. Cusco's poison. You can call me Joe Biden because I am sleepy. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, let's get into this shit. This is, this is serious. This is fucking serious, dude. This is dead serious. You are sitting in the Wayside Inn just eating a very pitiful breakfast of just some toast. and Not even any avocado? No avocado, bro. What the fuck kind of... Bro, it's fall. I'm writing a bad Yelp. So, Marticia's cleaning blood off the floor. You tried to offer to help her, but she insisted that you just take it easy. She owed you one. Sly is helping her out some, trying to make a good impression, trying to get a job, it seems like. And he says, bro, wouldn't it just be so dope if I was, you know, like this close? Like if you're in that town down there and I'm just like, you know, I'm only like a day's ride away. Like that'd be so fucking cool. We could hang out and stuff. Yeah, no, that would be incredible, honestly. He kind of... I I, I, I would very much think you should take a... I hear his come here, come close. He he leans in, and and he puts his ear on your lip. Yeah. I think you should. Yeah. I don't know. Try to get a job here. Y- yeah. I think that would be a really good idea. Yeah. Hey, Morticia, are you hiring? I I know that you just lost some personnel. Um, any any way that you would want a guy like me? I'm I'm I got a good sales experience. I could sell a beer to somebody that didn't want to even buy one. Marticia kind of looks up and she says, "Yeah, I I definitely am gonna need some people. Sly, why don't why don't you just keep helping out, clean off some blood stains that I see? There's a it looks like there's a chunk of brain right there on the stage. If you could pick that up for me, and and we'll go from there." Sly's like, oh, sure thing, dude. I, I, I've got no qualms about picking up people's brains. I, I like picking up people's brains sometimes, dude. You know, I like a conversation or something. I'm, I'm just kind of like a personable dude. Like, I like like I, I like to put my best foot forward in a conversation and just, like, I, I was, like, born to, like, talk to people and stuff. So, like, I just... Hey, Sly. Yeah? I... That brain's actually making me a little squeamish. Do you think you could get it I'll get it. I'll get it. He, he walks Thank over. Thank you, brother. Marticia just kind of smiles at you and looks back down at the ground. And Verna is outside. She also would not let you help her do the task she is doing. She is burying the poor people that unfortunately died at the doors. Why wouldn't she let me help her? She said she needed some alone time. She said that you were exhausted still and she was just going to do this on her own. But as you finish up your toast, you know you need to go out there and help her anyway. You walk outside. It's a cloudy day, but it's by no means storming. There's no rain. She's out at the tree line. 
and it looks like she's she's dug some graves, but there's still some people that she has to dig graves for. You happen to grab a shovel from the stable, walk over, help her out. I'm not even going to say anything to her. I'm just going to start digging. She looks at you and she says, Bradley, you can rest. You, you ain't got to do this. I know it's weighing heavy on you. No. No, I I need I need this. You should rest. She takes off her white hat, her cowgirl hat that she always wears and kind of wipes her brow. She says, "I I'll take a quick break, but I'm going to sit by you. Uh, I don't want you to be alone out here." You know, I haven't I feel like I could use some alone time. I feel like I haven't had a lot of time alone to my thoughts in a while. So you're welcome to go inside and, and rest, if you'd like. She shakes her head, and she says, uh, she says, ah, sometimes I just don't get you, buddy, but uh, she kind of holds out the hat in her hand, and she says, um, this was my daddy's hat. And he liked alone time, too. Oftentimes when he was working on the farm and it was something I was too little to help with, I'd want to help anyway. And he'd just tell me, get lost. And I know for him I was a nuisance, but God, what I wouldn't give for him to just take one day out of work where he just let me be by him. But I've got his hat. And he's uh he's always with me when I got this hat. And she puts it back on, tilts it to you, and she walks back to the to the end to let you keep digging. Damn. Just going to keep digging in silence. As you're digging, you dig some graves for quite a while. Go ahead and make me an athletics check. 19. Damn. You really put your back into this work. And you, every time you kind of glance over at these corpses, you're like, I, I need to I need to get these people in the ground. You know, they shouldn't be out here in the sun. So you're you're digging quickly, and you get the bodies in. You begin to cover their graves. And as you're doing so, you see a rider is approaching. Remember, this inn is right at the junction between the Tribor Trail and the High Road. Yeah. A rider is coming off of the Tribor Trail. And you look up and you see a woman who's wearing a hood, but a part of her face shows, and you immediately recognize it's Elsa. What? And she kind of looks at you, and she blinks. And she kind of makes a face of confusion. And she just says, Bradley? Elsa. She shakes her head, and you can see tears are welling in her eyes. And she turns her horse, and she rides off back towards Vandalin.
Such is the beauty of life. It's faint, and it's brief, but it makes it worth living. Just kind of reassuring myself, trying not to, because I'm I'm about to cry too, and gonna bury these bodies. And then when I'm done, I want to find kind of largish stones to places like little headstones. Yeah, you spend about 30 minutes in the forest trying to figure out the best ones. You place them as you're kind of looking at the stones. You've been out here for probably two hours now. Um, it could have taken a lot, lot longer, but you were just burning through this. You're drenched in your own sweat. Inverna speaks up from behind you. You didn't realize she'd come back out. She says, uh, Bradley, we got to get moving. That, that bard, Tarbin, he's in danger. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're right. We should. What you thinking about, buddy? Just trying to find the right stones to place on top of their graves. How tall is Bradley? Bradley is... I think I put him as six foot... Because okay. he's very yeah he's he's six foot because he's very much a pipe dream of mine. Okay, and Verna walks over to you, puts her arm around you, kind of leans up. She's not as tall as you, and she kisses you on the cheek and she says, "It's it's okay, buddy, but you you did good. We we got to get a move on." I saw her, and Verna. I saw Elsa. She shakes her head. <laughs> what what? Like in a dream? A vision? No, like... Well, I don't know. It could have been my mind playing tricks on me, but... She was alone. She was riding. Came from the direction of Phandalin, and... When she saw me, she turned back. And... I'll be honest, the... Five seconds that she was there was the happiest I've been in... A while now, and I couldn't find any words to say. I was just so shaken. And damn, buddy, I'm. Uh... I mean, I'm. I don't know what to say. I, I'm. I'm not sorry. I guess I'm just. You don't have to say anything. It's. We gotta go find Tobin. Yeah, poor little bastards in danger. Come on, let's get our horses. Okay. She walks to the stables. Sly and Marticia come out of the inn. Sly says, are you, are you headed out, big bro? Yeah, we're headed to this place on the map to find Tobin. Make sure he's safe. He wraps his arms around you, and he squeezes you tight. You don't remember the last I'm time... Gonna... He hugged you that hard. Back just as tight. He says, uh, "I know you'll be safe." No, of course. I'm coming back to you. Don't worry. I love you, Slander. Yeah, I love you too, now, Bradley. Don't cause too much trouble for Marticia. No, no, no way, no way. Marticia kind of smiles, and she just instinctively kind of reaches for your hand. Do you take hers? I do. I don't want to be rude. She grabs your hand and she gives it a squeeze. 
And she says, uh, I, I hope to see you again, Bradley Copper. I'm certain you will. She smiles at that. I, I know you will. You and Invernum mount your horses, and you ride north, away from Leylon towards the Thunder Cliffs. These cliffs you recognize are further north than the Tower of Storms, I believe it was called, the the lighthouse that you went to. Oh yeah. When you first fought a cultist of Talos, it's further north, so it's it's close to to Neverwinter, but there's there's still some miles between it and Neverwinter. You ride hard. Inverna's not making chit chat. She's not small talking. You're already tired from from digging those graves but you got to push through the pain you can feel as you're gripping the reins the reins thank you as you're gripping the reins you can feel little bits of blood starting to kind of pool under your your hands your your calluses are like bruising as you ride but you're riding extremely hard it's it's reminiscent of when you rode to the farm with Quinn and with Seagull. And you had you knew there were hostages to be saved. Now you know there's someone to be saved again. And time is ticking. When you get to the spot where the Thundercliffs would be, you know that it's located at the bottom of these cliffs. You've ridden past this place at least thrice in your life. It's just a divot where the cliff kind of juts out. And it's a beautiful scenic view. You and Inverna are met there by a pair of manticores. And I'm not going to go into this combat because it's fairly easy. But for the DMs listening, you know where these manticores are located at in this encounter. I'm moving them up here because it just makes sense to me. Um, I'm not going to run this combat because it is an audio medium, and I, I don't want to just frustrate your episodes with just unnecessary grinding combat. We're going to say the two of you are absolutely unscathed fighting these two things. Uh, no spell slots lost. You you make quick work of them. But as your weapons are soaked with their blood, and you're looking over this cliff, you realize it would be nigh impossible to try and climb down this cliff this way. The cliff juts out and then cuts back in. You would have to literally like Spider-Man climb almost, you would be almost horizontal while down climbing this, which rock climbers know when you are in that kind of climb and gets 10 times harder, you would have to climb out, back in, and then down these cliffs uh, hundreds and hundreds of feet. And if you failed one check... You know, if if your hand slipped once, you would fall to your death. So... Is there water? There's water and rocks and coral and all sorts of shit that you would hit that looks incredibly <laughs> painful. You look down, make me a perception check. Perception. 22. Down here, you can very clearly see... There are ruins of shipwrecks that are just littering this area. And the the reefs you see do not look like normal reefs that you're accustomed to swimming around, you know, in the in the bay 
at Neverwinter. They jut out almost like weapons, and they kind of line themselves up, and they just look like shooting spikes that have been created to almost barricade this area that you're trying to get to. But you are certain climbing would be the most dangerous thing you've ever done. How far down is the bottom? It looks to be between 300 and 500 feet. Hard to tell. The average damage you would take from a 300-foot fall would be 120 damage. You, you're looking down. I, I'm actually looking back at the book. It's not 300 to 500 feet. It's an 800-foot drop. Okay. So, I mean, falling would absolutely just obliterate your body. I don't know what to do in Verna. You see it's getting dark, and... Should we head back? She looks up and she kind of says, I'm not sure we'll make it back to the Wayside Inn. Unless you just want to ride through the dark. Let's make camp here, and in morning, we'll head back. You and Inverna make camp. Have yourself a little bonfire, set up your tents. As you're hanging out underneath the stars, Inverna kind of says, uh, So what's, what's, the, what's the move with the ladies in your life, Bradley? Well, you're gay. I'm not talking about so, me. It's clear Marticia I, wants you. I mean, I don't really know her. We haven't really hit it off or anything. I'm asking if you're... Are you loyal to Elsa? Are you going to try and win her back ever in your life, or are you moving on? I mean, until today, I honestly didn't think I'd ever see her again. And... You know, that was... Fine and dandy. Definitely would have, you know, no problem gotten with Marticia, but seeing Elsa has stirred up some feelings in me. And I'm honestly not certain how to progress at this point. She nods at that. She says, yeah, that's what I thought. What about you? She shrugs. She said, uh, when I first met Marticia, I thought she was the best-looking woman I'd laid eyes on in a long time. But she doesn't swing my way, unfortunately. And Valdi, I guess, has personality and professional conflicts. So uh, I'll be single for now. We'll see. We'll see who else comes around. We'll see. Maybe we can both just be two... Eligible traveling bachelors. She, you know? She smiles at that. As she smiles, you hear a boom. 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 Sounds like Son. footsteps. And as you peer into the night, you can see a hulking figure is moving towards the campsite. You we can't have one night of peace, can we? She kind of squints and she says, Doesn't seem to be charging us, but that's definitely a giant. What you're looking at is between 15 and 20 feet tall. 
kind of walks nearby, but it's, it's clearly passing your camp. You look, make me a nature, history, or arcana check. Nature, history, or arcana. Okay, history is the one that I have the best in. And of course, I roll six. This is a giant. He's very clearly walking past your camp. You can tell he's male. He's got, in the, in the starlight and from your campfire, you can tell he's got light blue skin. He's got white hair. He just says, Be still, little ones. I mean you no harm. And he just walks towards the forest. Cool. Neat. What a rare sight. <laughs> and Verna kind of... Wow, uh, Bradley will remember this. Appears at the top of the... <laughs> When I'm in my 60s, I'll be like, oh, remember that time I saw a, a blue-skinned, white-haired giant that one time in the forest? Exactly. And Verna kind of processes that with you. You're both like, holy shit, that was crazy, and then you go to sleep. In the morning, and Verna kind of talks to you and says, maybe we can get a boat from Leylon. I think that's our best bet. Let's head back there. I mean, there's lots of fishermen. Maybe somebody will take us out to sea, and we can paddle back up the coast and try and get to the cliffs that way. That makes, yeah, I, I, that sounds right. I just, I didn't really see any large boats in the dock. But it's been a couple of days, and the town's being rebuilt. Maybe someone will have docked since then. She nods at that. You make your way back south. Would you like to stop back by the Wayside Inn or no? It's been, what, one day? No. All right. You two, they don't miss me enough yet. <laughs> you two ride on. You make it to Leylon. As soon as you arrive, you see some familiar faces. You see Emma Lou, the guard, and it looks like she's on guard duty. And she kind of calls out and she says, Y'all made it! I was so worried when we didn't see you the past, what, two days? It's been, it's been a while. What happened? At the Wayside Inn, up the road. Yeah? There were cultists, and they had taken over and were trying to, I guess, create an eternal storm. But we, mostly in Verna, managed to stop it. She says, yeah, it's been kind of clear on the on the land, but I know the, the fish folk are having trouble out there at the water. It seems like the wind is only picking up on the water, and waves are getting nasty, even the bog's starting to move some. It's 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 strange, but I, I'm glad you, you thwarted them. Aye, as am I. And I'm glad to see you're safe as well. She nods at that. She thanks you both. You head on into town. Quickly, you see another familiar face. Scylla is running up to you. And she's holding a box. And she says, oh my god, Bradley, listen, listen. Oh my gosh, I've been waiting on you. I got this yesterday. It's for you. It's 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 from Neverwinter. Hello. And she holds it up, and it has the crest of Lord Neverember on it. She says, okay, got, got this. Got this for you. Yeah. No. yeah. It's yours. I didn't yeah. open it this time like you told me to. Oh. Yes, no, thank you, Scylla, I appreciate it. She passes you the box, 
and it's about two feet wide, one foot deep, two feet long. Just a little box. I mean, I guess let's open it. You open it up, and you see two things. There's a coin pouch, and there's a letter. Okay. Quickly, from just the feel of it, you have just earned a thousand gold from Lord Neverember. You open the letter, and it says, Dear Bradley... No, I'm not going to do his voice. No, do his voice. Dear Bradley, word came to me that you saved the life of Gallio Librio. His work in Leylon is just as important as yours. And without you, he may not be alive today. I know we agreed upon 5,000 gold for protecting Leylon. Consider this a bonus for your heroics. I am very pleased that I chose you to be the champion of Leylon. With all due honesty, it really goes to your father. He's the one who recommended your services to me. I appreciate your work. Continue to do good. Signed, Lord Neverember. Holy shit. And Verna kind of looks at you and says, We split in that? Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Well, yeah, no, we can split it. <laughs> she looks at you and she says, everything all right? Yeah. Everything's fine. Huh. I'm going to put the letter in my pocket. The two of you meet with the town council. You inform them. One, there's this bard they do not know who is in danger. Two, there's this important location marked as the Thundercliffs, north of here. Three, you can't get to it by way of climbing down. Gallio kind of speaks up and he says, I know this is going to sound harsh, but why risk your neck for one lowly bard? He, he's of no import to us. You should stay near Leylon. Keep the fight where it's important, here. If they come for us, you'll be ready, as will I. Keep your strength, Bradley. There's no reason to go out on this foolhardy mission. Well, my only thoughts there is that if it wasn't important to them achieving their goals, they would have killed him. Like, they would not have left him alive. There were several other people that they did leave there tied up, and evidently he was important enough to warrant taking to the Thundercliffs, and therefore, whatever, it's not just about the Bard, it's about stopping them, and if that Bard is integral into their plot, then he needs to be within our care. The Growler, Griselda, speaks up, she says, Right, you hear that, Galio? You're not the only smart person in this town. I agree, Bradley, makes perfect sense. Valdi speaks up as well. She says, I know of these Thundercliffs. Many people, only a few years ago, would always seek solace in them during a storm because there were always calmer waters near those cliffs than there were elsewhere. But as of late, no waters have been calm. Griselda speaks and she says, We don't have a boat that could take you. 
not one big enough in the barge, too slow. He'd probably starve at sea, just get stuck there, if he didn't tilt over first. That's meant for, you know, travel here in the swamp, but I don't know what we could do. And Valdi touches the growler's shoulder. I, I do know some sailors that we could try and hire. I know two incredibly good captains. And Marigold speaks up and he says, Oh, yes, are you speaking of my brother? Christophan. He is an excellent sailor, although accustomed to sailing further north, where we are from. But I could absolutely see him ferrying you, Bradley. Valdi nods and she says, He's one of the ones I had in mind, yes. I could send word to both of them. They would arrive in a few days and I would be more than willing for the town council to, to cover your, your trip. Growler nods at that. Marigold nods at that. Gallio and Sergeant Yorm both look kind of unsure, and Sergeant Yorm speaks up and he says, I agree with Gallio. This is a foolhardy journey, and I do not believe we need to be paying thousands of gold for a, an expensive ship to ferry uh, one man and his uh, brutish companion to, to do this. And the Growler cracks her knuckles and kind of, like, tries to make him flinch by, like, just, like, pretending to throw a punch and he kind of just like like fucking <laughs> flips out and like throws his hands oh please don't hit me and Growler says right it's three to two this is a council not a dictatorship okay so I think the decision's been made we'll pay for the ship is that good with you Bradley? sure I, I that works for me very well Inverna nods and she looks at Valdi and says we appreciate you. And Valdi kind of looks away, looks back at you. She says, I will send word as soon as, as soon as the ships arrive. So, you are going to have three days of downtime. What would you like to do? I definitely want to spend two of those days practicing Draconic. Okay. Which puts you at what? And I think five. Okay, nice, nice, nice. And then I want to spend one day helping the town. Okay. You see that a lot, also, of, a lot of houses have been built. Go ahead. So I remember you said you changed Marigold from a halfling to a dragonborn. Uh-huh. Is his brother also going to be a dragonborn? Yes. And that's why... I'd... It would be really funny if you had kept him a halfling. No. So the, the this pirate captain, Christophan... Or not pirate. Neither of them is pirates. I just... I think of ships, I think of pirates, but they're, they're sailors. Um, Christophan was always a white dragonborn in the book. And I thought er- oh, okay. earlier in the book or earlier in the pod, I know I had said, I just wanted to kind of diversify race. Marigold was supposed to be a female halfling. I made him a male white dragonborn, but I thought it would be kind of cool to have this, have this brotherly relationship. Oh, that's cool shit. So, Yeah. You see a lot of houses have been built. You practice with Marigold. He talks to you a little bit about his brother. This will be your first two down days. He tells you, My brother, I have not seen him in quite some time, but he has an impressive ship. It's got a lot of power behind it. It, It's used to breaking through the ice of the seas up north. So, I can't... It's not a... 
an incredibly fast ship, but it's an incredibly safe ship. He has a big crew. He commands them with honor and, at times, intimidation. He is a much harder man than I am. But... Well, we used to write all the time. And as of late, I know he doesn't appreciate my love for Lathander. I think in his heart he wishes I was by his side, sailing with him. But alas, my calling was to worship the Morning Lord. And that's what I do, and that's what I help others do as well. I'm certain he'll see the light. He'll come to love Lathander in his own way, even if it's just for his connection to you. He smiles at that. When you're working on the town, it seems like the thing there... Bradley re- definitely is, is starting to get fucking uh, converted to Lathander. Nice. <laughs> through his whole experience with this. Yeah. Uh, they're working on an inn and a bar. And so you help out with that. People seem very excited that finally there's going to be a place for, like, you can get food, you can get a beer. So everyone seems pretty happy to be making making this in. They're happy you're working with them. Everybody's kind of asking how you are. Vesper comes by on a guard shift and says, Hey, how's it going, Bradley? I'm doing quite well, Vesper. How are you? I'm, you know, happy as a pig in mud. Every day here in Leilon's a blessing. I'm I'm glad you have that mindset. Keep it for as long as you can. Yeah, absolutely. You uh you have a good one. Kind of waves. Can you remind me you have found a scroll of call lightning. Uh-huh. Five potions of greater healing, you found five hundred gold. So right now you should have at least seven hundred and fifty gold. I have a thousand gold. Okay, nice. And then you found a ring, which you were not. And I, I have a scroll of revivify as well. Yeah. But no, we haven't. We have. We don't know what that ring does yet. Yeah. Would you like to go see Zephyros? Yeah, I'd love for him to identify it for me. Okay. You want to grab Inverna to go with you? Or you want to go on your own? Oh well, what's Inverna up to? I'll say she's working, she's like helping repair a dock. Then yeah, I'll leave her to that. Okay. You go see Zephyros and Audrey's Peculiarity Shop. The strange looking man is there. He kind of waves his hand as you enter and he says, I got this voice. Yes, Bradley. Bradley! Yes, such a pleasure to see you. Waves his hands and candles all light on their own. And he waves you over to his counter, and as he kind of waves, you see, like, you can see, like, flower petals, like, moving in the wind as he kind of pulls his hand towards his counter. He says, what can I do for you, good sir? It's always a pleasure to see you, of course. Well, you're a curator of peculiar curiosities. Absolutely. And... That, that's probably my favorite title anyone's ever given me, ever. And I was wondering if you could tell me what this ring does. He says, would you like me to identify it for you? Yes, please. That will cost ten gold. Are you willing to pay it? More than willing. 
he takes a moment. He spends about five minutes kind of peeling over this. He, he whispers to it. He smells it. He, he touches it to his ear. He puts on a monocle, and then he smashes the monocle on the table. And then he, <laughs> he throws the ring in the air, catches it in his mouth, spits it back out into his other hand, and he says, This is a ring of water walking. If you wear this ring, you can stand on and move across any liquid surface as if it were solid ground. I definitely would love that. He he gestures for you to give him his give him your hand. I give it to him. He says, I've always wanted to do this. And he just slides the ring onto your finger and says, be mine. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I was wondering if you had any coin to spend. I do have a few things that could interest you. What exactly do you have today? Well, I have a few fun things. One, I heard you're a big fan of pocket bugs. Is that correct? I am, yes. I'm a huge fan of pocket bugs. He holds out a glass orb and kind of lets you look at it. And inside you can see there's a scorpion kind of moving around. And the way it moves, it doesn't really defy... It's defying the laws of physics because it's not not in the orb on on the floor of the orb. It's like in the middle of the orb and it's kind of rotating all which way. He says this believe it or not, is a giant scorpion. And if you smash this upon the ground, it will spring to life and it will fight by your side for one hour before it disappears into the ethereal plane. Pretty nifty. Super nifty. He says, not only that, I also have this. And he holds out a potion it's blue, and it's got bubbles in it, and he kind of shakes it, and he says, Now, I know you can walk on water, but if you drink this, you could breathe underwater. Very fun, I know. And kind of For sh- how long? He says, As long as the spell water breathing lasts. I think it's either one hour or eight hours. It's, it's a good one. I don't know. Let's see. Twenty-four hours. Okay. Shit. And then he holds up a rock, and this is—I shouted them out earlier in the season, but Gil Vidalin's Guide to Gear, which a guy on Twitter sent to us. Uh, I kind of reworked this. He he shows you a rock, and he says this rock, and he kind of puts it, runs his finger along it. You see, it smiles. He says this rock has two potent spells of your interest, bardic interest, inlaid into it. There is a command word, which, of course, I cannot tell you because then it would waste the rock. I could write it down on a slip of paper for you. But when this rock is activated, it acts as not only a magic mouth spell, but also a vicious mockery spell. So the way this would work mechanically is you throw this rock out and it's going to help you. It it would only last for a minute. It's going to help you in a fight where it's going to have its own initiative and on its turn, it's just vicious mockery in an enemy. Just constantly calling out 
fucking nasty, mean Fuck. things to one enemy to help you out. How much for everything? Oh, for everything that would cost you 1,250 gold. How much for the scorpion and the rock? 1,000. How much for the scorpion and the potion? 750. How much for the potion and the rock? 750. 500, 500, 250. You have anything you'd like to sell me, perhaps? We could do a bit of barter. How much would you take for this hat of wizardry? Ooh. That's going to require some research on old Lukey Dookie's part. It is a common magical item. I would give you mm, 100 gold for that hat. Okay. Cool. Can do that. He lifts up his robes. You see his little diaper of underwear. And he pulls it all the way up to his belly button. And he presses his belly button. And a hundred gold begins to like spill out of his belly button onto the counter. And he says, there you go. And he, he slaps his belly. He says, I like to call it the piggy bank. Sometimes when I'm hungry for a little snack, I'll say, should a big boy like me eat this nasty snack? No, but it's okay if a piggy does. <laughs> And then I just gobble it up. I just... <laughs> <laughs> just a little piggy. Mm. I like to put it all in the piggy bank. And he kind of he kind of twirls his ass. <laughs> what? what were the two together that were a thousand? The potion and the scorpion? Uh, either. You could do potion, scorpion, or potion rock. I think I'm gonna do rock scorpion. Oh, to oh for a thousand. Oh yeah, yeah. Because the other is seven fifty. The scorpion yeah. and the rock is a thousand. Yes. Scorpion and the rock is a thousand. Yeah. Okay, then that's what I'm gonna do. Okay. He hands them both over to you. He says, "I have a great oh. feeling this is just going to help you so much in a fun little combat encounter whenever you need it." How do I add that to my? Uh, inventory. Uh, you could add a scroll of. You, you know, I'm just gonna add orb. I mean, so scroll of giant insect would would let you kind of see and how it works. Rock. Yeah, I mean, I but I remember, you'll just have to pull up the stats of a scorpion. Of a giant scorpion. On your turn. But I'm just going to as 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 the add these as two orbs. Okay, cool. Cool. And what's the what's the word? He writes it down on a piece of paper, and he passes it to you. And it says, And that's what it is. Okay. Uh, he smiles. He says, anything else? Little piggy time. That's that's it for. I fucking hate you. That's it for now. Thank you. He he waves you out as he waves. Door opens. You hear a little jingle in your head, 
as he waves you out. You kind of look back for a second. He's now holding a margarita. And you're out. Where the fuck did this guy fucking come from? You're out of there. Oh, and this ring doesn't require attunement either. Nice. Fucking nice, bro. Fucking nice. Cool, yeah, I'm gonna... I guess walk back to Inverna, wherever she is. She's still on the docks? Yep, on the docks. Or actually, I'm gonna just... I'm gonna turn in for the day. It's late, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you... you, Yeah. You head to bed in the morning. Someone opens up your tent flap. You hear Valdi's voice. They're, they're here, both of you, if you're, if you're ready to meet with these two captains. All right. Let's do it, Inventa. The two of you head back down to the fishery where the town council is now set up. Valdi is the only town council member here for this. Oh, uh, that's not true. Marigold is also there. So... It's the four of you, and you watch as two rowboats kind of come in. It seems like their ships are anchored out. You can see their ships. You see one is rather large. It kind of has this... It's a galley. It kind of has this special outfit. I don't even know what you call it. I'm sure there's a ship nerd out there who would know what to call it. It looks like a big fucking spike that kind of moves with the the helm of the ship and yeah. it looks like you just break through ice like Marigold was is it a galley about. or a galleon it's a galley what is the difference I have no idea okay then the other one is a sailing ship it is smaller it is more sleek so it's it's about a hundred feet long whereas the galley is about 150 feet long and it looks like a generally faster ship also a smaller ship probably with fewer crew Let's meet the captains. You see two captains walking up. There is a hulking white dragon board. Both of them are wearing captain's hats. You can tell they are sailing captains. This dude has big fucking sword on his back. He looks just intimidating as all hell. Then, kind of with a Jack Sparrow kind of gaunt walk to her, she, uh, not gaunt, gate, uh, you see a tabaxi woman, and she's kind of off kilter. She's just kind of walking up. She has a rapier on her side, a much smaller sword. She also seems to be holding a jar of something, and she's sipping it. The dragonborn walks up and says, Please to meet you both. My name is Christophen. And he sees his brother and says, Marigold. And Marigold says, Brother, it is so good to see you. And Christophan kind of waves at him and says, We must meet about business first. Then the tabaxi rolls up and she says, Hello, Bradley Copper. Pleasure to meet you. She's kind of swaying as she speaks. My name is Stanzintar. And you are familiar enough, you know that tabaxi often have names that are like, like verb and noun like so like argonians yes very similar kind of like okay. throws throws quick knife catches red ball whatever different things this woman's name is stands in tar and she says i am very excited to be getting to speak to you both of them walk in 
They sit Luke, down. Yes. Why would you give me... Why would you build up this cool-ass dragonborn, but then immediately give me a cat girl? You know? I'm doing what the you book... You know which one I'm going to choose. I, you I'm, know which one I'm going to choose. I'm doing what the book tell me do, bro. So... Also, just uh, her cat features. She looks... She's got, like, cheetah features. God. So. Go ahead and make me an insight check on Stan's and Tar. Fucking... My weirdness is gonna come out this episode. Perfect. Oh, shit. I rolled a natural one. (laughs) Oh, okay. No idea. Can Inverna give me an insight check on Stan's and Tar? No. She, you see, she just kind of waves, and Verna kind of waves her hand in front of her nose. You go sit on one side oh, of the does room. Does she smell bad? She smells like alcohol. Ah, uh, okay. You go sit on one side of the room with Marigold, Valdi, and Inverna. The other two sit in seats, kind of just in the middle of the fishery. Nobody else is in here. It's it's early in the morning, very early in the morning. Like work has not started. It's probably five a.m. Stans and Tar speaks first. She stands up and she kind of hops onto the chair. And she says, The famed Bradley Copper who killed Cryovane the dragon. I should be the one to take you to the Thundercliffs. The Thundercliffs, not a dangerous area. But the seas right now are dangerous. And I hear there is a man in danger. Well, here's the thing. My ship is twice as fast as his. It is agile. And I have a smaller crew. Less likely to gossip about your important mission. My ship's name is the Dancing Delight. It can outmaneuver or outrun anyone on the open ocean, including the ice flow. And she kind of almost glares at Christophen. She says, I know we are asking for the same price, but it is my ship you want. I promise you this. And she kind of winks at you, Bradley. Christophen, make me an insight on him while she's speaking. I rolled a two on that one, so seven. He just seems unimpressed, generally. He stands up. He kind of... Dragonborns don't have tails, right? They do not have tails. My ship is more reliable. It is safer. The seas have become violent of late. My ship is big. Bigger in this business is better. You will not worry about lightning destroying our mast or a tidal wave engulfing our vessel. I have heard rumors that the once safe caves at the base of the Thundercliffs have recently become more dangerous. Notice that this captain, Stanzintar, has not heard of this. I keep my ear to the ground. She is careless. Stanzintar cannot. <laughs> this man is a stick in the mud. You do not want to go with him. Trust me, Bradley. And she kind of purrs when she says your name. Bradley. He kind of shakes his head, says, Dangerous to take her, smart to take me. 
you are free to ask them any questions you would like. In Vernon, I noticed some rather spiky outgrowths of coral at the base of the cliffs. Would your ships be able to handle that? Say, would they even be able to get that close? Christoph and shakes his head. There is no way we could get that close. We will have to take you as close as we can get, probably a mile from the shore, ferry you with the rowboat. But I could personally escort you. You would not be going off on your own. You will have someone with knowledge of the seas on your side. Stands into our laughs. <laughs> it is the same for me, Bradley. I will not just anchor you and tell you, go swim, take a dip. No, I could ferry you in a robot myself. If they are as dangerous as you say, I trust you, not him, mind you, then I will absolutely make sure that you get there safe in one piece. Go ahead and make me insight checks on both of them. Okay. A 22. Do I need to roll two insight checks? Yes. So who do you want the 22 this, to be for? Okay. I want the 22 to be for Stans and Tar. Okay. And that's a seven for the other one. Okay. Stans and Tar is as advertised. She is competent, but foolhardy. She is experienced, but maybe overconfident. She also is definitely attracted to you and to Inverna. Christophan, hard to get a read. He kind of has a cop vibe. But he also seems... I mean, a seven is a bad roll, so it's hard to tell. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like maybe a safer option. Hard to tell. Inverna speaks up and she says, uh, how many crew do each of you have? Stanzantar says, I have 30 loyal crew people that are willing to fight for you if need be. Although they are not fighters, more so they are willing to carry you. Christophan, <clears throat> 80. I have 80 good people ready to serve you. While they are also not fighters, if it came down to it, they will defend themselves and help you defend yours as well. Inverna. I'm gonna. I, I need to. I'm gonna say. I actually need to discuss a few things with my partner here. And I'm gonna take Inverna to a little private corner. I don't know. I'm kind of, kind of digging Stanzentar. What do you think, Inverna? <laughs> Inverna says, are, "Are you digging her because you want to sleep with her, or, or what? What's going on there?" No, I just. You know, I just have a lot of. I feel confident that she could. No ulterior motives. Oh, yeah, no. I, I, she definitely seems more fun. I mean, if we're going to, you know, it's going to be a few days' journey with how, how nasty the seas have been. If I'm going to have to be hanging out with one of the two of them, I'd definitely rather hang out with Stans and Tar. No, for certain. I mean, does that make our decision? Well, what I mean, what, what are your thoughts on the two? Like, like you tell me your opinions. All right, I am going to have her make insight checks. Oh, Inverna... What can you tell us? I don't have dice in here, but I have a dice app. Inverna kind of smirks and she says, You know, I think Christoffen's hiding something. If I'm being completely truthful. He's nervous. What do you think he's hiding? I don't know. 
I think he's ten times more nervous about the the trip than she is. That's for sure. Well, let's ask him. Go for it. Christophen, right? Yep. Christophen, is there something about this journey that troubles you? Generally, I have a bad feeling about this trip, but I am willing to undergo it. The payment is fair, and my friendship with Valdi, as well as my brotherhood with Merigold, makes me want to take this job, if you are willing to have me. But I am not an idiot. It is dangerous. There is no doubt. And Stans and Tar says, Don't we all like a bit of danger? What specifically are your fears and concerns to danger? Roll me a persuasion check. Persuasion. I get a plus seven to that, so let's roll high. I rolled an eleven. He says, generally the waters are turning bad. Is that is that the truth? Does it look like he's hiding anything? Make me an insight check. God damn you, and these fucking checks. <laughs> and goddamn me for rolling low. Okay, God! It was literally about to land on 15, so I would have gotten a 20, and then, haha, just kidding, it rolled on a 5, so I got a 10. Yeah, that's it. That's all he's, he's given you is that God the, damn the it. waters are generally dangerous. I think, and I mean this is no offense, I think time is of the essence, and a, and a vessel that can get us there fastest is the better option. Stands- and and I are both sea-friendly people, which is definitely a lie, but they don't have to know that. And I think we should, be, we should be able to handle ourselves if things turn as bad as you predict they could. Christophen. He shakes his head and he says, you are making a grave mistake. And he turns and walks out. As he's walking out, Marigold says, Brother, do you not want to... Take some time. Share a meal. And Christophen does not look back. and just walks out. Stands and Tar smiles. I believe you have made the right decision, Brad the Copper. She walks over to you and holds out her paw to shake your hand. Oh, yeah. For, I re- re- readily grab it. As... You grab it, she turns, and she kisses the back of your hand and then kind of licks it like a cat would and says, it is going to be an enjoyable journey, I believe. She turns to Inverna and says, as for you, I'm especially excited to have you aboard my vessel, Miss Nightbreeze. And she says, I can ferry you now or send a boat for you privately if you need some time to gather your things. I would like some time to gather my things, if that's all right. She nods, and she kind of walks out. She's kind of swaying as she walks. Valdi nods, and she says, I believe you made a good decision. It seems the faster ship is logical. And Marigold just kind of looks down at his notes, kind of taps his fingers on the table. Yes, well, um, I I must prepare for the service, so I will see you all later. Good luck uh, and whatnot. And he just kind of walks out, and you can tell he's he's big sad. 
And it's not on you that his brother's a dick. Yeah, that's true. That's also true. It's also not on me that Bradley's into cat girls, so. <laughs> it is on you. That is on you. That's definitely a Thorin projection. Yep. <sighs> okay. I I we go back I guess we go back to the tent and get our things ready. Have you ever been on a boat before, Inverna? Inverna says, uh that barge. <laughs> yeah, no, same. A couple smaller fishing boats, only on rivers though. Um quite nervous, <laughs> truth be told. <laughs> yeah, she kinda looks down at her armor and she says, I don't know if this is the best idea be wearing all this shit. I know I can't swim in it. Do you have any lighter gear? Uh, yeah, I mean, I could switch out, but it's a catch-22. I feel like as soon as I take my armor off, we're going to be fighting something big that can hit me easier. But if I leave it on, I'm going to fall in the fucking drink and get swallowed up. I'm going to take off my ring of water walking, and I'm going to give it to her. And I'm going to say, for right now, you need this more than I do. She nods at that, and she says, and I tell her, it's a ring of water. It's it's a ring of water walking. If things should go badly, you should be able to walk on the water just fine, and you won't have to swim. She nods, says, uh, yeah, th thanks for that, Bradley. You... You're looking out for me. I appreciate it. Of course. The two of you are sent a boat. Somebody rows it for you. Uh, this is the first mate who's rowing the boat for you. She is a gorgeous woman. She looks like your traditional kind of pirate garb. She's got dark brown skin. She's got these dreadlocks pulled back into a, a headband that kind of sits high on her head. She introduces herself. My name is Kastisha. It's a pleasure to meet you both. The pleasure's all mine. I say to her. She kind of nods at that, kind of half smile. Bradley, you're definitely realizing you have a, a certain effect on women that maybe your less confident self did not have. As she rows you out, she says, I'm excited. It's, um, well, to tell you truthfully, we have not been getting good jobs of late, so to get paid uh, four figures for something is, is rather exciting. The crew's been waiting for something that's lucrative for a while. Really? Why, what would you say have been your troubles with getting jobs? Is it just because of the seas? Roll me a persuasion check. Okay digital dice I know you haven't been rolling that great with me this session <laughs> need you to do good babe 25 nice she nods and she says will it stay between the three of us I mean who am I going to tell you would tell who I'm speaking of my biggest of. confidant is, <clears throat> is Inverna she says the captain Stanzentar is an alcoholic and she has not been steering us in a great direction as far as getting us the best jobs. That being said, of course, she is my captain, but I've been trying to 
pusher. Just, you know, think about the crew. Let's try and do more than just ferry a few lost fishermen every once in a while or keep mucking about the bays of Waterdeep. It's it's time we got a job like this. So I, I am happy. But it, the reason why we've been struggling is fully because of our captain. I'm sorry to hear that. It's all right. I mean, it's working out now. Very true. Voldy did speak very highly of her. Oh, yes, she can be in, incredibly impressive when the time is right. And she kind of has to hide a smile when she says that. You get the sense that Kastisha and Stanzintar have fucked. That's. I feel like that's... I feel like that's the impression I'm going to get from every crew member. <clears throat> Maybe. You climb aboard once the, the dinghy kind of meets the ship. You're pulled up. You see the ice flow has gotten the fuck out of here. You can see it off in the distance. That ship is just gone. That ship is sailed, baby. Very... I think the term you were looking for is icebreaker. Oh, maybe. When yeah. you're talking about the spike. Yeah, it's got an icebreaker in front of it. So as you're being hoisted up onto the ship of the Dancing Delight, you very briefly hear another sailor say, it's about goddamn time we got a job like this. Been waiting a while now. But otherwise, crew seems happy to see you. You see a few, a few dwarves, a few elves. There's another tabaxi who looks rather old, like kind of like a Siamese cat-looking dude. He does not look happy at all. Looks like a grumpy bones. There's all sorts of races, uh, genders. Everybody seems rather happy to have you aboard. Hell yeah. You hoist the anchor. You don't, but they do. The ship begins moving in a northerly pace. Stanzintar comes up and speaks to you, and she says, Just so you know, the wind is against us. It's always against us, whichever way we sail. But we should be able to get there in about three days. So... I know that Christophen's ship would have taken almost a 10-day. I'm glad to have you. You don't have to make an insight on this with your passive insight. I just looked at it. It wouldn't have taken Christophen a 10-day. She's definitely uh, lying about that. But it would it would have taken him a little bit longer. So, yeah. And you see he's sailing south. Okay. Yeah. And the And it also looks like skies are clearer to the south than they are to the north. So he's heading more towards Waterdeep. Makes sense. The crew welcomes you with open arms. There's a card game going on at once once everybody's kind of settled in. It seems like it's kind of a lax crew. The pe- Some people are working hard while others are kind of taking it easy. A bottle of rum is passed around. Some rum is passed to you. Inverna is being flirted with quite a lot, mostly by men. She's pretty clearly just kind of waving them off. But there are women on this ship as well. Everybody's just in what seems like a jovial mood. There's a game of darts going on below the deck that you're more than welcome to join. But the day is yours. You've got a day of downtime on this ship. I Well, I'm definitely going to drink Hell yeah. for sure. How much are you uh, drinking? 
I'm I'm get a, I'm gonna get a little tipsy. Hell yeah. I'm, Bradley's gonna have a good time. You know. He's got three days. You know. What do we do with a drunken sailor? What do we do with a drunken sailor? What do we do with a drunken sailor? Early in the morning, you are hoisted up by the crew. You've been playing them songs. Once you got a few drinks in you, people are are loving your presence. Even Inverna's got a smile on her face. Stands and Tar seems to be very well lit. I need you to make me a perception check with disadvantage. Perception with disadvantage. Yes, because you're drunk. And and my natural 18 perception yes. is not. Okay, of course. Well, that's a 12 plus 8 is 20. All right, nice. And that's a 5 plus 8 is 13. God. Okay, 13. Just generally, the the seas look scary. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> it's it's just not fun time but everybody seems to be having fun anyway there's no rain coming down on you but the winds are intense and it just it generally seems kind of kind of sketchy after a bit of jovial joking and singing and and having a good time seems like a lot of the crew are settling down the night shift is kind of coming out kind of a skeleton crew gonna man the ship during the night but then you realize you got to make anchor, and actually you're having to stop on your travels, and you haven't made it that far. You you can you can't see Leylon anymore, but you can see the bend that you went around. Like you're you're moving in slow motion with how bad the 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 seas are. So, Stans and Tar just kind of tells you, on a normal sea, we would have been able to make it there in one day. But with this, we are consistently fighting the waves, fighting the sea. It's as if the gods do not want you to make it to these cliffs, Bradley Copper. I don't care what the gods want. I care about what I want. And I want to make it to those cliffs. When you say that, lightning streaks across the sky. You hear a loud boom of thunder. She kind of looks up and smiles, and the rain begins to pour down on both of you. And she says, I'd like to get what I want, too. And she puts a paw under your chin. And she goes in to kiss you. Oh, I accept it. I'm drunk, dude. She kisses you and says, I'm very glad to have you around, Bradley Copper. You can, of course, sleep with the crew if you want below deck in the hammocks. Or you could join me in my cabin tonight. I would love to join her. I, I, I would be delighted. She kind of grabs your hand. The two of you make it out of the rain, but you're not necessarily dry either. <laughs> and the two of you spend the night together. Hell yeah. Bradley, do you have inspiration? I don't. Remember, I spent it. Go I ahead. Did. Go ahead and gain an inspiration for getting laid. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, wow, heteronormativity sure is fun. <laughs> if you had had sex with a dude, you would have gotten inspiration. I know. If you had had sex with a non-binary person, if you had had sex with a mimic, you would have... You <laughs> got, no, I wouldn't have given you inspiration for that. That's just too far. No monster sex. She's not a monster. She's a humanoid. Why no monster sex? 
It's just too much. It's too much. It's our our audience isn't ready for it. That's triple X. Yeah, that's gonna be our. That's gonna be the next podcast. Look out! Look out for it. Monster sex. <laughs> Each week we deep dive what it would be like to fuck a monster from Five E. <laughs> Stay tuned for the Albert episode. In the morning, uh, in the morning, stands in tar, kind of lays against you. You're both naked in her bed, and she looks is up. She, at... Is she purring? Yes. You you fucking freak. She looks at you and she says, "Tell me, who is Elsa?" Elsa's an old lover of mine. She nods and she says, uh, "I could tell you made the mistake of calling me her name last night." And you know, I do apologize for that. She nods. It's okay. She uh, she gets dressed. Lets you get dressed as well. As you walk out onto the deck, it's still raining. It's not like a storm storm, but it is raining. Clouds are black. You see... Inverna kind of has her hands up. She is got two crossbows trained on her. Kastisha quickly puts a dagger to stands in Tar's throat. She says, Bradley Copper, we are going to honor our deal with you. This has nothing to do with you. We do not want you or your companion to get hurt. But it's time for a leadership change. Modular is Thorin George as Horny Copper, Bradley Copper, <clears throat> and Luke Job as our DM. The story here today, as well as 99% of the characters, were created by Wizards of the Coast and can be found in the module Storm Lord's Wrath. Holly Lyons is our fantastic editor. Bethany Gray does our gorgeous cover art. Devin Clark is our talented webmaster. Our music today was written and performed by Max Hedman. You can find Max's music anywhere you listen to music, and you can find his website link in the description of this episode. You can follow us on Twitter, at ModThePod. Join our private Facebook group, The Modular Podcast Fan Club. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The Modular Podcast. And subscribe to us on YouTube, at The Modular Podcast. Jack has been putting a lot of great streams on our YouTube. You really got to go check them out. Here's a quick shout-out to Sarah Moore, Callie Williams, Nora Crowell, Audrey Jane, and Claire Vautrin. All of those queens are a part of our Facebook group. Our private Facebook group, called the Modular Podcast Fan Club. You want to be a part of the fucking cool stuff that goes on in that Facebook group, like those fucking awesome ladies? Then you gotta join. You gotta get on the Facebooks. You gotta, you know, ignore your mom's weird comments about ACAB or the Super Bowl halftime show or whatever, and then you gotta get in to the Facebook group, and then you gotta post memes, and you gotta see other people's memes, and you gotta laugh react, and you gotta wow react, and you gotta heart react. You guys know about Facebook still? Is that still a thing? I don't know. Maybe. Thank you so much for all the support. The finale is coming up. I'm sure you can smell it. I'm sure you can taste it. It's about to be fucking juicy. Me and Thorne are so excited to share it with you. New episodes come out every Tuesday. 
And until then, thank you for listening to Modular.